Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where the horse to ride for your next bull purchase. 6th of February of 2021. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today, a two-part discussion with the province's Minister of Agriculture. The first part, we discuss Ottawa's revamped and rising carbon tax. David Merritt says it will cost Saskatchewan $300 million a year when fully implemented. A second segment looks at Ottawa's proposal to enhance agri-stability and Merritt has some big concerns. Real Agriculture looks at the importance of testing wheat seed for fungus. An FCC agricultural economist discusses COVID-19 and its impact on the farm in 2020. We have an update on the weekly cattle market prices across Saskatchewan. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by JGL Commodities, proudly serving Saskatchewan agribusinesses for over 40 years. Looking to market your grain? Call JGL Commodities today, 306-624-2378. Agriculture Minister David Merritt is disappointed with Ottawa's expanded carbon tax. The $30 a ton tax will rise $10 next year and again in 2022. After that, the hike each year will be $15, bringing the total tax to $170 a ton by the year 2030. Merritt says the increased tax will cost the province an extra $300 million a year when fully implemented. Well, for the, we're very, very disappointed in it, Jim. Obviously, uh, you know, this plan was released without no consultation or notification to the provinces in any way. And really, and who's going to be impacted more, but the provinces are going to be impacted. And this is going to have a significant impact on agriculture here in the province of Saskatchewan, in all, in all sectors of the industry. That is very concerning for all of us. And uh, I mean, to, to get to the numbers that they want to get to at $170 per ton by 2030 is going to have a, a major, major impact on agriculture here in the province of Saskatchewan to the tune of our estimation is is close to $300 million per year annually. And uh, there's just no other uh, indications in there on, uh, on what agriculture is doing to improve the environment. And I think that has to be something that really has to be looked at. I find it ironic when we have a federal government that is looking at, uh, at, at a carbon tax and the impact it's gonna have on agriculture when I've been on a couple of trade missions, Jim, around the world, and companies from around the world are looking at we, what we do here in, in Saskatchewan, what our farmers are doing to protect the environment, to work with and grow crops in an environmentally sustainable manner that we do, that is recognized around the world, but doesn't seem to be recognized by our own federal government. And I think that is, uh, that is unfortunate. Uh, we haven't seen the details on what they're trying to, what they're going to do on that side of it. It's very concerning. The other side that's going to have an impact to us is investment attraction. I think it has to be, you know, one thing we've been looking at as a, as a provincial government is how do we attract investment into value-added processing and things of that nature in the agriculture sector. 
how our company, you know, it, it's concerning for us and what, how that's going to impact that investment attraction when we can't be globally competitive with our market, with our products because of a carbon tax. Instead of looking at exactly what we're doing in all the right ways to really improve the environment from an agriculture's perspective, both from the grain side and from the livestock side. I think it's, uh, it's, um, it's very disappointing and very discouraging that the federal government has done this without any recognition that we can see right now on the agriculture, uh, on agriculture here in, in Canada and especially in Saskatchewan, when we have 40% of all the arable land in Canada is, is in our boundaries. This $300 million, where does that come from? What does that include? Well, that's just, that's just the, if they go to the $170 a, a ton on the carbon tax, that's, uh, that's the number that we've come up with. That's the number that we're you know, using right now. Because at, uh, you know, at right now, it compares to right now, an annual cost of about $50 million, and we're at, what, $30 a ton or in that neighborhood now? So that's what we're looking at. And this is cost of fuel and cost of uh, transportation of goods and everything else. And I think that's one thing that everybody has to recognize it's it's the it's the impact it's going to have on the transportation and uh, of food, and uh, and the products that we grow here. That's the concerning part here that we're very challenged with. And everybody knows that farmers have to use fuel to grow crops, and here they're going to tax us for growing food, and that's really disappointing, Jim. Very very disappointing. Coming up, Agriculture Minister David Merritt discusses problems with proposed enhancements to the Agri Stability Farm Support Program. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford Equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. Agriculture Minister David Merritt sees some concerns about federal proposals to enhance the Agri-Stability Business Risk Program. Ottawa's plan would increase the 70% compensation rate to 80% and remove the reference margin and has won the support of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. Merritt says the province is looking at the proposals, but the issue is the high cost. Well, first and foremost, uh, Jim, we're v- I'm very disappointed at the federal minister on the time frame of putting her offer on the table. It was November 27th. To me, it was getting down to the 11th hour of the, you know, the last day. And to put the offer on the table, when we had uh, made an offer to them back in, in the spring or where we wanted it to be on the funding distribution on, you know, and she just, she turned that down, but she never come back with another proposal, which she could have done in June or July or August or anywhere but never did until November. And unfortunately, uh, us as provincial ministers have processes that we have to go through and things we have to do to see where this is, where this all lands and the impact it has as, on us as provinces. And that's where we're at right now, working through the process to see, uh, you know, how this is going to uh, impact the taxpayers here in the province of Saskatchewan. And that is something that has to be noted, Jim. It has the greatest impact to the taxpayers of the province of Saskatchewan than it does any jurisdiction in Canada. And that was the point that I raised with the federal minister. That's why we were looking for some form of a relief on the program because of the impact. Obviously, provinces are in uh, very tight fiscal challenges this year in late, because of COVID and the result of that and the impact it's having. And very concerned about budgets and, and those challenges around that. So. We just were hoping that the federal government would have given 
some consideration for this federal program. I mean, the next day she announced $100 million for the, uh, for the dairy industry uh, with no commitment from the provinces. And yet when we asked her how this was going to work out, she said, I said, if the provinces don't sign in, does the 60% still come? And she said, no, it's off the table. It has to be all in or, or not. So it's concerning for us and, and it's concerning for my colleagues across Western Canada. When do you expect to make a decision? I, I really don't, like I said, Jim, it's just a process we're going through. On uh, November 27th, she had made the comment that there would be a three-week period. We're getting to that. But we've had no communication with the federal minister if there's going to be a follow-up call on how this is going to roll out at all. We have had, we've had no indication from the federal minister's office if there's going to be a call uh, with the ministers this week or not. So uh, I don't know where, really where it's at. You'd probably have to ask her that. Main sticking point, though, is cost. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It uh, has a huge impact to the to the province of Saskatchewan and to the taxpayers here in the province of Saskatchewan. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. Recently, Kara Oosterhouse of realagriculture.com talked to Jeremy Boychin of Alberta Wheat and Barley Commission about the importance of doing a fungal screen on your cereal seed. Testing your wheat seed for, for fungal disease is important um, for a few reasons. You know, if, if you if you just get a test that's going to give you um, germination and vigor uh, and your, your germination is down, it's not going to really give you a good idea of maybe why that germination is down. Um, and you, you may be increasing your seeding rates based on that low germination, um, but you may be able to address that problem better if you, if you have an idea of what diseases are in that seed. So it just helps producers better manage that seed or make um, uh, more appropriate decisions around how to manage whether either through seed treatment or choosing a different seed lot. So how do producers go about uh, collecting seed to be tested? Can you talk a bit about that process? So they would be collecting it uh, the same way that they would be looking to collect it to send it into a grain elevator or to the uh, grain sample program with CGC. Um, they want to make sure that they're collecting uh, um, uh, a distributed sample of their grain. That way they're getting a good idea of what the entire grain lot looks like. Um, and then they're going to be submitting it to whatever um, seed testing lab that they that they want. There's a few different options in Western Canada. Um, so pick one that, that you like to work with and send it into them and, and they'll send you um, their results right back. So when you get these results back, there can be long lists of things you're seeing. Can you talk a bit about certain levels of infections that actually warrant addressing? Yeah, um, I mean, this is something that comes up every year. There's a variety of different results that pop up um, when you're doing a fungi test. 
um, Aspergillus is on there, Penicillium is on there, um, Alternaria is on there, Cladosporium, um, Epicoccum, Cochleobus, all of these things are on there. And the question is, is okay, at what number do I need to actually address these or, or which of these is actually impacting my germination? Because um, that's the question we want to ask. Because when we're, when we're looking at these, if our germination rates are low, we want to make sure we're looking at these properly and saying, okay, I'm addressing these so I can get my germination right, um, so I can put the correct amount of seed in the ground. Um, so knowing which of these uh, funguses are actually affecting germination is going to be important. Um, and in general, you can lump all of these into three different categories. You have your weak uh, pathogens, you have your storage pathogens, and then you have your pathogenic pathogens. So your storage pathogens um, are going to be aspergillus and penicillin. Um, and in general, these do not cause an impact to your germination. Um, what these are is they're a storage mold. If, if your seed goes into the bin when it's wet and warm um, and, and there's already some of that, uh, those fungi in there, um, it'll continue to grow. And then you'll actually start to see bin burnt seed. So if you get these numbers back in there somewhere between 10 to 15% and your germination is a little bit lower than you think it, it should be, um, then potentially this is causing an issue. And actually there is some seed treatment uh, that can be used to mitigate some of that. Um, the other group that you can see uh, is your is your weak pathogens. Uh, and that's gonna be Alternaria, Cladosporum, and, and Epicoccum. And these are actually, if you drive around in the fall, um, and you see crop that's been um, uh, swathed uh, or it's really late to be harvested and you see it start to go from that golden brown to that dark um, kind of uh, like really brownish, darkish brown color. Mm -hmm. um, that's those diseases taking over the plant tissue. So it's it, what they're called are saprophytes and they only really attack dead tissue. Um, so when it comes to germinating seed, typically they are not going to cause any concern. I mean, you can get cumulative um, infection levels of these three up to 50% without really causing any issues. If you have it above 50% and you're seeing some germination issues as well, um, then potentially there's some concern there. But most likely, even if those numbers are high, you're not going to see too many issues um, in terms of germination. But if you do, it's probably a good idea to call the seed lab and see what they think. And then the last ones that are on there um, are Cochleobus, Fusarium, Fusarium graminearum. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Hey everybody, it's Ted Creech here from Hill 70 Quantock Ranch of Lloydminster, Alberta. On the 6th of February of 2021, I'd like to invite everybody to our 51st annual Barn Burner Bull Sale starting at 12 noon. Now we'll sell approximately 400 bulls consisting of Red and Black Angus, Horn and Pulled Herefords, Red and Black Sim Angus, Charlay and Red Balancer Bulls, plus 100 bred and open commercial females to round out the day. Now don't be afraid to get in touch with us. Either call myself, Connor or Bill at 1-800-665-7253. It's your Agra weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devon at 352-1866. Today mainly cloudy with 60% chance of light snow. Wind southeast 20, the high minus 11. Temperatures steady near minus 10 tonight. Wednesday, partly cloudy with 60% chance of light snow early in the morning. 
Wind 15 kilometers per hour. The high minus 5. Wind chill minus 17 in the morning, minus 9 in the afternoon. The low minus 14 Wednesday. Thursday increasing cloudiness. The high minus 2. The low minus 14. Friday sunny. The high minus 10. The low minus 8. Saturday sunny. Milder. The high plus 2. The low minus 9. Sunday partly cloudy. The high minus 1. The low minus 10. Monday partly cloudy. The high minus 8. Normal high for this date, minus 9. The normal low is minus 20. The sun rose at 8.53 this morning. It sets at 4.55 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Maple Creek at plus 1. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay at minus 32 degrees. On the roundup, Estevan is minus 9. Saskatoon, minus 16. Swift Current, minus 5. Weyburn, minus 9. Yorkton is minus 13. In Regina, cloudy and minus 10. That's 14 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south-southeast at 26. Humidity is 84%. The barometer dropping 101.7. Sunny and Moose Jaw, minus 10. Winds are from the east-southeast at 13. Once again, Regina, cloudy and minus 10. That's 14 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com and brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. 2020 is going down as one of the most challenging economic years in our lifetime. COVID-19 shut down large parts of the global economy this spring. And while there has been a moderate rebound, the overall numbers for the year will be negative. Craig Clemmer is Farm Credit Canada's principal agricultural economist. He spoke last week during an online town hall meeting sponsored by the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. Annual GDP for 2020 is expected to decline about 5.7% in Canada. The United States, they've opened up their economy and and fighting a little bit harder to try and keep that economy opening. And and we're looking at their economy contracting 3.5% or so. The European Union, they've had even bigger issues with COVID and shutting down their economies and trying to restart, looking at declines of about 8%. There was only one country that's looking at a small growth in 2020 gross domestic product, and that is the place where the novel coronavirus originated. China is expecting a 1.6% increase in GDP this year. Meantime, Clemmer takes a look ahead to 2021. We're looking at the global economy kind of snapping back a little quicker. Growth in around that 5% range globally. Part of that that we'll have to watch is we could see some more growth opportunities as the vaccines come through through 2021. Maybe we see uh, economies opening up a lot more. And then the other big question is going to be what do we see on stimulus? Spending in the fourth quarter continues even though individual consumer buying trends have changed people are buying quite a bit more Christmas gifts and we're seeing that that instead of spending money on those trips and that we're spending more money on Canadian products and and there might be some opportunities we might see some increased demand at at food but because people are gathering in smaller groups I'm not sure that it's going to translate in terms of you know major opportunities for the food sector and food products here. The need for economic stimulus during the pandemic has seen Canada's debt to GDP ratio increase from 30% at the end of 2019 to 46% at the end of this year. As bad as that sounds, Clemmer says many other countries have higher ratios. 
You know, Japan's at 177% debt to GDP. United States at over 100% debt to GDP now. You know, these countries have, have higher debt levels than where we are. So from that perspective of debt and GDP, we're not too bad. Still higher than places like Australia and a lot of the Nordic countries. But I, I think when we put it into context, it's important to see where we are. That being said, we don't want to keep running up these deficits. As I mentioned, we do have to pay these back, and it's important to consider that. The Bank of Canada has been buying debt from the federal government at a pace of about $4 billion per week. Clemmer says it's a delicate balance on when these assets will be sold. As the Bank of Canada unwinds this quantitative easing program, these assets, they're selling this back into the market. And that means other institutions, whether it's pension funds, whether it's companies, they need to digest this debt back into the market. So it's kind of adding this liquidity that you would talk about. So when we think about interest rates rising and what that's going to look like, part of the story is the Bank of Canada is going to want to ease the amount of assets that they're purchasing from $4 billion a week down to what they would do in a longer term normal average, as well as start increasing rates. And it's really quite a delicate balance. Clemmer says the Bank of Canada is also committed to keeping interest rates low through the year 2023. As for the Canadian dollar in 2021... Our expectation is that we see the Canadian dollar moving mostly flat sideways as we continue to figure out what's happening in the COVID situation, as we continue to get vaccines in both the Canadian and U.S. economy and start these economies to start moving forward and, and building. As we see some strengthening of the U.S. economy, we could see the Canadian dollar decline slightly. But as that stimulus starts coming in, as we start seeing demand for energy products, potentially, we could see the dollar start bumping up slightly in the latter half of 2021. Clemmer told cattle producers during the town hall event that farm cash receipt numbers for the first nine months of this year have not been good for the livestock sector. If we look at livestock receipts overall, down 2.2% in Canada. If we look at by province, you know, we can see receipts down 8.6% in Manitoba, 7.7% in Saskatchewan. So we've seen some fairly large declines in, in that revenue piece. And and that's that's you in the room here or you on the call here that they're feeling those challenges and, and having to deal with these impacts on your operation. And, and that's very much what I hear. Cattle and hog producers are hoping proposed improvements to agri-stability will provide some financial relief. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And the REMAX Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel DeCorby and Graham Toth, online at landforsalesask.ca. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were showing more downward price pressure this past week. Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist Natasha Wilkie says rising feed costs are partly to blame. Well, Jim, we saw the feeder steer prices, they were primarily lower across the weight categories. Uh, the only price increase we saw there occurred in the 400 to 500 pound weight category. Those guys increased $4.35 per hundred weight to end the week at an average price of $248.75 per hundred weight. When we kind of go in the middle, we got the 700 to 800 pound weight category ended the week with an average price of $182.33 per hundred weight, while the 800 to 900 pound weight category ended the week at an average price of $174.21 per hundred weight. The feeder heifer prices in Saskatchewan were a little bit more mixed across weight reported weight categories. We saw uh, the largest increase in the 300 to 400 pound weight category. Those girls increased $2.23 per hundred weight. And we saw the largest decrease in the 400 to 500 pound weight category. 
dropping $2.06 per hundred weight to end the week at an average price of $202.25 per hundred weight. When we kind of go in the middle there, we've got the 500 to 600 pound weight category, ending the week at an average price of $186.50 per hundred weight, while the 700 to 800 pound category ended at an average price of $153.50 per hundred weight. What were the factors pushing down the feeder cattle prices? Well, we've got a little bit of seasonality in play here. The fall run slowing down, supply can be playing a bit of a factor. Uh, that seed barley is continuing to steadily rise. And also what's kind of creeping up too is the Canadian dollar. They've, it's been kind of rising since the middle of October. And then just seasonality with the choice beef cutout prices, they've gone down quite drastically in the last little while because all the holiday season supplies have been secured. What were marketings? So in Saskatchewan, we got Canfax reported a total of 19,259 head of cattle sold this week, or last week, sorry. That's down from 28,424 head the previous week. And then pretty much, pretty similar to what was in 2019 with 19,395 head marketed during the same week. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? So we've got prices of live non-fed cattle in Alberta were primarily higher from the previous week, so that's good. Uh, The price of D2 Slaughter cows saw a small increase of 60 cents per hundred weight to average $70.80 per hundred weight, while the price of D3 slaughter cows saw a small decrease with prices going down 57 cents per hundred weight from the previous week, and they ended at an average of $57.93 per hundred weight. When we move over to the fed cattle prices for Alberta, we've got their, their, the Alberta fed steers this week were reported at, or sorry, last week at $139.40 per hundred weight, and that's up $2.32 per hundred weight. Natasha Wilkie compiles the weekly cattle market update for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. My tariff prices were mixed in early trading this morning. Canola fell 90 cents at 553.47. Number one red spring wheat rose 85 cents at 237.38. The rest unchanged. Durham 297.62. Feed barley 209.70. Flax 693.37. Lentils 557.50. Oats 206.53. Yellow peas 328.89. And feed wheat 183.72. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, March red spring wheat rose three and three quarter cents at 561 and a quarter cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of December 15th. Our last regular sale was on December 9th. D1 and D2 cows sold from 63 cents to 73 cents, with the odd sales up to 80 cents. D3 cows sold from 53 cents to 63 cents. Canner cows sold from 40 cents to 50 cents. And good butcher bulls sold from 87 cents to 97 cents. There weren't enough feeders in any one weight break to establish an accurate price quotation. We did have a bred cow sale on Friday. No dispersal cows. Good bred cows sold from $1,300 to $1,700. Middle-aged bred cows sold from $1,200 to $1,400. Older bred cows sold for butcher price. And good heifers sold from $1,700 to $1,800. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. The market that gets the cattle and the prices too. 
Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. Cameco has temporarily suspended production at its Cigar Lake uranium mine in northern Saskatchewan over the coming weeks due to the rising risks from the coronavirus. The company says Saskatchewan is experiencing a significant negative trend in the pandemic, leading to increased uncertainty for continuous operation of Cigar Lake. Cameco has had six positive cases in northern operations, including three at Cigar Lake. At the peak of production, there were 300 workers at Cigar Lake Uranium Mine. The company expects to incur costs between 8 and $10 million per month, but says the balance sheet remains strong. A plant-based COVID-19 vaccine could become a reality next year. The CEO of Saskatoon-based Zias Life Sciences, Brent Zettel, says through their partnership with Vito Intervac on the University of Saskatchewan campus, preclinical trials on animals will begin early next year. The protein in vaccines are usually animal-based, so this model would be unique. Zettel says they have done tests of the antigen that's the basis of the vaccine against an antibody that's recognized as a threat, and it was successful. Even though Pfizer already has a COVID-19 vaccine and other companies are closer to the finish line, Zettel says the research continues because it sets a baseline for future work should another pandemic come around. In other words, it gives Zayas some valued experience in the process of making vaccines. Manufacturing sales grew 0.3% to $54 billion in October, down from the 2.2% gain seen in September. The federal agency says the October increase was almost entirely due to gains in non-durable industries, led by the paper and petroleum and coal industries. TD Bank economist Omar Abdelrahman says the release shows momentum in Canada's manufacturing centre has been losing steam. He notes it doesn't include the potential impact of renewed COVID-19 restrictions in Canada and abroad on demand for some manufacturing products. On the market, strengths in the metals and mining sector helped lead Canada's main stock index higher in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets also rose. The TSX composite index was up 80 points at 17,467. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 142 points at 30,003. The Canadian dollar traded at 78.53 cents U.S. compared with 78.39 cents Monday. The January crude oil contract was up 61 cents at 47.60 per barrel. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Hill 70 Quantock Ranch. The place to be for your next bull purchase. Mark the right date, February 6th, 2021. Call 1-800-665-7253 anytime, any day. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good... Um. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. Hill 70 Quantock Ranch, where quality comes in quantity on the 6th of February of 2021. Be welcome to join us for our annual bull sale. 